0: we doing good to see you in the house of the Lord I trust you had a good afternoon we had a tremendous service this morning if you guys didn't catch it uh, if you weren't able to come this morning you ought to check it out we ministered on that triumphant entrance of Jesus into our heart and you can look at that as a recording let's go ahead and uh, believe God tonight for not only revelation knowledge but also that I'd have utterance to speak tonight And uh, that way, God is working in our midst, amen? So Father, we thank you that you said if we would seek, Lord, that we would find. And right now, we're, we're watching, we're in the midst of this service because we're seeking for truth, we're seeking for revelation, we're seeking for answers, we're seeking for your provision. And so we thank you that your teacher, the Holy Spirit, he lives in us. We have an unction from the Holy One and we know all things. We trust him tonight for revelation knowledge. And Father, we also uh, trust you for utterance tonight that I'd speak as the oracles of God. I thank you, Lord, that because your spirit is upon me, you have anointed me to preach. And so I thank you for words that emanate, not necessarily from my mind, but from my heart, as you are working through me. And I thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Everyone believe and said. Hey, Amen. Well, again, good evening. Uh, this is Healing School. Uh, we've been in a series of a four-step, I don't want to say formula, because, y- you know, it's, it's really operating in spiritual law. But we break it up for teaching's sake into steps so that we can make sure that we get each one of these a part of our life. And in doing that, we can receive healing for any condition in our body. As you remember, we... St- We've talked about how step number one is up to us to determine that it's God's will to heal us. Uh, everybody, unbelievers alike, believe that God is able, but not everybody believes that God is willing. And so many people depend on experience to tell them what the will of God is, and that's not how you locate it. You locate it. Obviously from the Word of God because the Word of God is the documented will of God And then also you look at the ministry of Jesus and he is the will of God in action He followed God's will while on the earth and he never turned anyone away That directly came to him and asked for healing for their body And so we see that that is establishing is the will of God to heal anybody of Whatever ailment they may have we're into step number two and we're finding out that healing, that the healing of our physical body, is part of God's redemptive plan. It's something that God. Let me listen to me now. Healing of our body is something that God has already purchased for us. In the same way that He purchased your salvation through Jesus Christ, through His death, burial, His uh, resurrection. At the same time, He purchased the healing. Of your body and so that's what we've been talking about Uh, let's go over to first Peter chapter 2 verse 24 and so we're beginning uh, tonight Sharon on page 2 and so you'll see us there at the top at first Peter 2 24 and this is a very familiar verse of Scripture in fact uh, this is one of my wife's favorites and if you're watching honey how you doing She's home with our grandson and taking care of him tonight. And so uh, let's go over here, 1 Peter 2, 24. And as you see this verse of Scripture, it's explaining the purchase that Jesus made in our behalf to purchase redemption. Now remember, redemption is not just your salvation. Hello. Redemption is not just... The purchase of our salvation. It encompasses all that you and I will need on the earth. We found out last week that it, it's purchasing spiritual life for us, it's healing for our body, and it's also to have a full, overflowing supply financially. Now, look at this it says that Jesus, in his own self, bare our sins. In his body on the tree so he became our substitute God placed what we were on him and Jesus died spiritually on the cross he did that because we were dead or separated from God in our sins and by Jesus purchasing our salvation now we have the ability to live unto righteousness now I want you to 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 see this that in the same breath that Peter is speaking by the Holy Spirit that Jesus purchased our salvation in the same breath he said that by whose stripes we were healed now this isn't talking about being healed spiritually because you can't be healed spiritually our salvation is literally the resurrection of our human spirit. Our spirit which was void of life through imparting God's everlasting life into our spirit by the Holy Spirit that resurrected or brought life to our spirit and we became a new creature in Christ. And so salvation is more than the forgiveness of sins, it's really the resurrection of our spirit. But That price that he paid to bring that salvation to us also took care of the sickness problem understand that sickness is just simply the fruit or the offspring of sin and the sin condition we had and so when you deal with the root cause then you take care of all the fruit at the same time does that make sense Jesus didn't pay a price for our salvation and then pay another price for the healing of our body. No, it was all done all at one time through one sacrifice of himself. So notice that it's saying that when Jesus paid the price for our sins, simultaneously he paid for our healing. As we said, I'll just repeat myself from the notes. That's because sickness is the offspring of sin. And so when you solve the sin problem, you automatically solve the sickness problem. Now, that really helps us to see that because healing is part of his redemptive plan, then that is telling us that it's something that's already been accomplished in our behalf. And, you know, it's it's a challenge for our human mind to consider that we have something that we don't have. (laughs) <laughs> did, that, did, that, did I just make any sense at all with that statement? <laughs> well, think about salvation. I, I, I like to use salvation as an example because every Christian believes in salvation. And you receive the other blessings of God the same way you receive salvation. Now, your salvation was something that was already available f- to you approximately 2,000 years before you received it. Amen. It was provided at the cross. It was provided for us at Calvary. So even though God had given you salvation, even though that he purchased your salvation 2,000 years ago, you still had to receive what he had already given. And we need to think that way. A lot of times people get the idea that prayer is asking God to consider doing something for them. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is accessing what God has already done for you. And and that's why you, you can't receive anything through works. You already have it. You don't have to work for it. Jesus did the work for us. And so when it comes to the healing of our body, technically you're not asking God to heal you as if he's going to make a person-to-person, situation-to-situation decision. No, he's already decided. That's why Peter said that by the stripes of Jesus, by the price that Jesus paid at Calvary, you were healed notice. it didn't say you're going to be healed Any person that believes they're going to be healed is not in a position of faith Faith believes it has it now Hallelujah, and we'll get into that. That's one of the next steps coming up so Begin to see healing as something that's already been provided for you when we talk about God's grace unmerited favor undeserved favor and we're living in the age of grace everything that that we receive from the Lord is that which he's given us freely through his grace so if something is coming to you in terms of God's grace it means that he's already purchased it for you amen and so you're using your faith To receive that which was already given grace has to be accessed by faith many churches are teaching that God's grace is automatic God's grace just comes to you and that's simply not true it says by grace were you saved through faith and so faith is that mechanism that receives what God has already provided so We're seeing here that because the healing of our body is already part of God's plan for us, and this plan has already been accomplished uh, by virtue of what Jesus did for us on the cross and through and by his resurrection. And because of that truth, that both were accomplished at the same time, you'll begin to see these two Blessings or these two areas of God's grace being bestowed upon us, you'll see them together in Scripture. Where you'll see salvation and forgiveness at the same time as you see healing for the body. Now, we just saw it up here in 1 Peter 2.24. It says that, We should live unto righteousness. We would receive salvation from him because of what he did on the cross. And then in the same breath, he says, oh, and by the way, by his stripes, you were also healed. So we're seeing those two connected together. Remember, the simple reason is, is because both were accomplished at the same time. So I want you to go to Psalm 103, the 103rd Psalm. And let's look at verse 2. We're going to look at several instances of these two realities being cited together or putting, being put together in the same breath from the Word of God. Psalm 103.2 tells us to bless the Lord. <laughs> oh, my soul. Oh, my spirit. Or from my spirit. That's where worship comes from. And forget not all his benefits. Now notice that is giving us the mindset that we're not to forget what he's already given us. It's already accomplished fact as far as he is concerned. It's up to us to cause it to become a reality in our own personal life. And forget not all his benefits. So, now, what are your benefits? Verse 3, Psalm 103. Kind of sounds like an FM radio station. Uh, (laughs) Who forgiveth some of your iniquities. Huh? Wait a second, let me check. If you're lucky... He'll forgive maybe a couple of those things that you've done wrong. You you know, we don't really have a problem embracing the truth that it's his will to forgive us of everything. And again, the, the simple reason for that is, is that we've heard that all our life for the most part. And nobody's refuting it. You don't hear too many preachers pounding on their podium saying, God doesn't forgive everybody. You don't have people preaching against it. They've embraced that truth in the word of God. But in the same way that emphatically he's forgiven us all of our sin, all of our iniquities, it also says that he he heals all of our diseases. And notice how he encompasses every illness, every sickness, every disease, every diagnosis that you may get from a doctor. And there'll be times when that doctor will say there's nothing that we can do. Well, we shouldn't be surprised by that. We as human beings are limited. And that's why we go to God who is not. So there may be something that the doctors can't do, but that doesn't mean that now God can't do it. More people need to be shouting right now. Hallelujah. You see, we're never without hope. We're never without hope because we live a God who is, we live in a God who is more than enough. A God that's not limited by, by anything in this world. He, he's all powerful. Hallelujah. It says in verse 4, who redeemeth, and we know he did that through Christ. What did he redeem us from? Destruction. And then he crowned us with his loving kindness and tender mercies. Oh, hallelujah. Let's go down to Mark chapter 2. You're there in the book of Psalms. Going over to Mark, the second chapter. And here comes Jesus. And you know this testimony. Understand that for the most part, we see in the Gospels... We're seeing testimonies of real live people. And the Holy Spirit chose to use those examples, those testimonies in the eternal word of God, so that you and I could have the faith to receive what they received. Does that make sense? He he handpicked nineteen individual cases that received healing in the Gospels. He put those 19 cases in those four books of the Gospel so that you and I could see what God was willing to do and you saw how people of humanity were able to receive it from the Lord. Now here in Mark 2:9, this is that testimony where this crippled man had four crazy friends. And they dropped him down through the ceiling now you gotta have faith not only in your four friends but you gotta have faith that when you get down to jesus that he's going to do something for you nobody's dropping me out of a ceiling unless i'm going to get a benefit from it (laughs) i i just know that there's going to be a blockbuster in heaven where we're going to be able to watch the videos of what you know these testimonies in play that took place and are recorded in the Word of God. I want to see it with my own eyes this guy coming down and seeing his eyes of expectancy to receive from the Lord and the excitement his friends are having. We're gonna get him to Jesus. We're gonna get him to Jesus. And so those religious leaders that were there watching Jesus in his ministry because when he saw this crippled man he began to tell him that he was forgiven of his sins now this is significant here's a man that came for healing and Jesus then says you're forgiven of your sins did he misinterpret why this guy was being dropped out of the ceiling Did he not see? In another instance, blind men came to Jesus and he asked them, what do you want me to do for you? You see, Jesus did things to help the person to receive. And so here, in this time, in in this relationship that those Of the old covenant had with God they had the conception that God was the author of sickness and sickness came on you because of sin remember there was that boy that that was healed by Jesus and the disciples asked Jesus well was it his parents who sinned is that why he got uh, sick or was it because the child sinned and he that's why he got sick see that's how they had Their mentality that sickness came as a a uh, because of disobedience and God was judging them for their disobedience well we know in the light of the New Testament that that's not true so he was helping this man to understand that if Jesus is forgiving him then he knows that Jesus will heal him does that make sense? And so here are the, these religious people, and, and they're saying that, you know, only God can forgive sins. And Jesus turns to them, he says, is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, and the palsy is someone who is crippled, May, they may be completely crippled. They could just be different parts of their body that they, they can't they don't have any motor skills, they can't use them, they can't utilize them. He says, is it easier for me to forgive them? Or is it easier for me to heal them? Is it easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee or to say arise and take up your bed and walk? Now notice how he puts forgiveness and healing in the same sentence and saying that I can do either. Which one's easier? Well, to the religious leaders, it'd be impossible for him to forgive because they thought he was just a mere man. They didn't perceive him to be God. Jesus is about to show them that when this man gets healed, then you'll also know that I also can forgive. You see that? Verse 10, so that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on the earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy and go thy way to your own house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them, insomuch they were all amazed. I guess so. And glorified God, saying, We have never saw it on this fashion. Hallelujah. But what we're looking, the reason we're looking at this verse is to see forgiveness, the fruit of salvation, and the healing of the body mentioned at the same time. Why? Because they were purchased at the same time. Let's go on over to Isaiah. Shift gears just a little bit here. Isaiah 53, 10. Now, that verse that we read in 1 Peter 2.24, that's when we were looking back in time at the cross. And that's why it used the word were healed. You were healed at Calvary. And Peter was looking back at that event. Now, here in Isaiah, this is a prophecy concerning the passion of Christ, what what Jesus would procure and purchase for us on the cross. So now it's looking forward in time. When Isaiah is prophesying this, it could be anywhere between four to 500 years before Jesus would hang on the cross. And in verse 10 it says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Now, this is talking about the suffering, the passion of Christ. And what he he allowed Jesus to go through and what he put on Jesus to bear for you and I, it pleased God because he knew he was purchasing you and I. He knew he was paying the price for humanity. He, He realized that he's getting back what he lost when man fell in sin. So he was pleased to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when he shall make his soul, his spirit, an offering. For what? For sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. In verse 11, he says, He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. Notice that this pleased God because his righteous service, Jesus Christ, by his passion and the price he paid on the cross, is going to justify many, including you and I. Now, look at this. He's going to justify us by bearing their iniquities. Bearing their sin. Remember, Jesus became sin on the cross. He bared it. He took what we were. God placed it on him. And then through his resurrection, he took what Jesus had become and gave it to us. All right? Now we're looking at this word, this English word bear, and it's from the Hebrew word cabal, C-A-B-L. And it means to bear, to bear a load, to make yourself a burden. It's almost like taking a, a pack mule. And putting all the things that you want to transport onto the burrow, the donkey, and have it carry it for you, and that's what Jesus became. He became a sin bearer. He bared what we could not bear, and he's bearing it, bearing it to remove it, to take it away from us. So he's bearing away our iniquities. He's bearing away our sickness, and then. In verse 12, he uses another Hebrew word. Therefore, will I divide him a portion with the great, he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered, he became a part of the transgressors, those against God, And here's the English word bear, spelled differently, instead of B-E-A-R. Now, here it is, B-A-R-E. And it's from the Hebrew word nasa. He shall bear, he shall nasa, the sin of many, and make intercession for the transgressors. Now, this word bear means a lot. It's very similar to cabal. It means to lift up. It means to bear away. It means to convey. And it means to remove from a distance. So it's easy for us to believe this. Is Jesus the sin bearer? Did Jesus remove our sins? Did Jesus become our substitute and take what we were? Absolutely. We don't have a a problem believing that whatsoever. But these same two verbs describing how Jesus took our sin, these two verbs were also used by him bearing away our sickness. Aha! In the same chapter, 53 of Isaiah, go up to verse 4. It begins in verse 4 It says, Surely, I really like the way that that verse begins. It doesn't say, cross your fingers. It doesn't say, I hope so. It doesn't say, you know, this might be true eh, and maybe not. No, it says, surely. It says that he hath borne our griefs. This word, hath borne, is nasa. It means to bear away. And this word, griefs, in the Hebrew, means sickness. You see, we have this same verse over in the New Testament, in Matthew 8, 17. Surely he hath bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. No, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Let me say that again. Matthew eight seventeen is the quote from this Isaiah 53, 4. Himself took, bared away. He took our infirmities. He bared our sicknesses. So, The Holy Spirit brought this verse also into our New Testament. But I want you to see here that this same word, NASA, bear away, remove to a distance, is also referencing that he bared away our sickness. And then in verse 4, continuing on, and carried our sorrows. That word carried, guess what, is cabal. There's a lot we can learn when we get into the Strong's Concordance. And you begin seeing where these English words that we go by, what they mean in the Hebrew. And it can give us a lot more depth of information in what it's talking about. So what we're trying to get at here is that those two Hebrew words talking about removing our sin, then here in verse 4 uses those same Hebrew words describing that he bared away our sicknesses. Talking about our physical ailments. So he carried our sorrows. That word sorrows are, is the word English word pains. He took our sicknesses and he bared away our pains. Hallelujah. We could, we could accurately quote Isaiah 53 4 as this. Surely he hath bared away our sicknesses and bared the load of our pains. Hallelujah. Did did anybody catch that? Surely he hath bared away our sicknesses. We're talking about what Jesus did through the great plan of redemption. He not only bared away our sin, but it says here that he bared away our sicknesses. He didn't only carry the load of our iniquities, but he bared the load of our pains physically. When did he do that? On the cross. I want to read this verse from the Young's literal translation. The Young's literal translation, Isaiah 53, 4. It's going to sound a little bit different than what you see there in the King James. Surely our sickness he hath borne, and our pains he hath carried them, and we, we have esteemed him plagued, smitten of God and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his bruise there is healing to us. Now, for me, that's a smoking gun. To me, that becomes clear. Now, it's one thing to hear that. It's one thing to recognize that. It's one thing to know that. But you and I have to get to the place where we believe that. Because we'll have symptoms in our body. We'll have diagnoses from doctors that will contradict that. You're going to have pains in your body that are going to contradict what these verses are. Isaiah declare are yours. And so you and I have to get to the place when we begin to experience contradictions that we take our sides with the word of God. That I'm not going to allow my body to determine what I believe in terms of what God has said in terms of my... uh, my life. For example, let's say in the in the, the the realm of behavior. When I make a mistake, when I sin, when I make the wrong decision. That contradicts what the Bible says about me. That behavior contradicts that I'm a new creature in Christ. I've got to choose. Do I embrace my experience? Do I embrace my mistake? Do I allow it to determine what I believe of myself? Or do I go ahead and get that removed by the blood of Jesus, confess my sin, and then see myself as one that is clear and clean and washed by his blood, and I have right standing with him? And we can do that with sickness we can begin to resist it we can begin to deny its right to stay in our body we can begin to uproot it and to get our experience to change from what we're feeling to the place where our body starts responding to what we believe and it's important for us to understand that these things don't happen instantaneously People ask, well, if he's already given it, then why, why does it take time to receive it? Well, faith has to be developed. Our, our measure of faith is at different levels. You might have world-overcoming faith in terms of maintaining your walk with the Lord and maintaining your righteousness and the benefits of your righteousness in Christ. But your faith may be at a lower level for receiving healing for your body. And understand that faith grows primarily two ways. Faith grows by feeding it with the knowledge of God's Word. Do you know that faith is simply the knowledge of God's Word? And then, second of all, your faith will grow by using your faith, <clears throat> acting on what you believe. It's the, same, it's the same formula we use for developing our physical body. if I want to to become physically fit I'm gonna eat good food I'm not gonna be feeding my body a bunch of junk I'm gonna feed it that which would that which promotes health that promotes strength vitality but if all I do is eat good food how many of you know that I'm not really getting fit I've got to then begin, what, exercising with that good food in me, right? Well, faith is the same way. Our faith grows through the victories we procure by faith. You see, it's like... King David, who was at this time just a shepherd's boy, he began trusting God to protect his sheep. And he started out trusting God to help him overcome the lion and the bear. He used that trust in God. He used that which God promised him. And he he not only got it in his heart, but then he practiced what he believed. That's what faith is, is acting on what you believe. And so when the day came to face off with Goliath, he already had some faith victories. He had already developed his trust in God. And the same is true in developing our faith for healing too many of us wait until Goliath shows up to develop our faith we're at a disadvantage I said you're not in an impossible situation but you're you're gonna have to you're gonna have to get strong real fast I remember years ago there was a young man came to me and he had a, 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 a terrible diagnosis from the doctor. I mean, it was, it was very sad, the situation he was in. But here's a boy that had been saved most of his life, but he hadn't grown spiritually. He wasn't a churchgoer. He, he wasn't prone to... You know, getting into the word of God. He wasn't prone to, to use that word in his, his daily life. And now he needed a miracle. And uh, I prayed for him. And right after I got done praying for him, I, I, just, was, I just had a knowing that it wasn't going to go the way that we wanted to and all of a sudden in my heart the Lord said this the day to train for the the time to train for the marathon isn't the day of the race no marathon runner doesn't train and then expects the day before to get enough training in to run the race and unfortunately, that's the story of many Christians. They go through life, and they don't take the time when they have opportunity to develop their faith. And in this case, faith in healing. And so when that, when that Goliath comes, you're not in a very good situation. Because you haven't killed the lion yet. You haven't killed the bear yet. You haven't overcome the common cold. You haven't overcome the common flu yet. So how are you going to overcome cancer? How are you going to overcome heart disease? Amen. This is for somebody. And so we have to be insightful enough... And we need to start using our faith now on small things. One thing that helped me is that when I started cutting my teeth on the Word of God and believing God for health and vitality and strength and length of days and longevity, is that one day I woke up and I had flu symptoms. I'm telling you, <laughs> you know what that can be like. And I had all sorts of symptoms. I had a fever. I was sweaty. I was bowing down to the porcelain God, if you know what that means. And I went ahead and prayed, and I said, Lord, I appropriate healing right now for this this flu according to 1 Peter 2 24 by your stripes I was healed I want to thank you that by faith I got I'm healed and I laid back to bed and on the inside I heard this do you believe that you're healed yeah what are you still doing in bed you're not believing anything you believe you're sick and that's why you're in bed Now, I'm talking about exercising faith. I'm talking about allowing your actions to correspond to what you believe. And I said, I'm going to work. Now, I went to work that day, and it only lasted a half a day because there I was on on the job, throwing up, high fever, miserable, and finally they they sent me home. But you see, I had made a stand. And I started to use my faith in circumstances that were contrary to what I believed. And even though I didn't win that first battle, it wasn't long before I started winning those battles. Because every time I'd get those symptoms I'd say I'd square off with it you know I'd square off with it I'd get out my scripture I'd read that scripture I'd appropriate my healing by releasing my faith in prayer and then from that point on I'm healed and I went about my day like I would any other day now I'm not telling you to do what I did But I am telling you, you've got to start exercising your faith and you've got to start resisting sickness and you've got to start acting according to what you believe. And find a way to start doing that. Amen? And I'm telling you, it's going to pay some dividends. And and start picking on the little ones. It's so easy to go grab the ibuprofen when you have a headache. Have you ever thought about believing God? And keeping that bottle in the medicine cabinet? Headache ain't gonna kill you. But it's a good way to pump iron when you resist it. Right? Start doing it on the little things. You got that little ache? Talk to it. You're not gonna dwell on my body. I don't have arthritis. I don't have rheumatism. I don't have any kind of a joint disease, deterioration, or swelling. I got loosey-goosey joints and you start talking to it you start resisting it that's what causes your faith to grow by getting the Word of God in you believing it to the degree that you begin acting on what you believe and in the midst of pain in the midst of struggles in the midst of discomfort just just trust God and before you know it you're gonna see this giant come And you're going to take one swipe with that slingshot and you're going to hit it in the forehead and it's going to die. Amen? Because you killed the lion and the bear. So here we are over here in Luke chapter 5. We're talking about forgiveness and healing in the same breath in Scripture. So we're back in the New Testament now we we got it done over there in Isaiah let's go to Luke chapter 5 let's look at verse 23 now this is a the same verse we read but here in a, in another gospel you ready again he's squaring off with the religious leaders You think it's easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee or to say rise up and walk? And so you see that these two are in the same portion of Scripture, in the same breath, so that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth (laughs) to forgive sins. He said unto the man of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise, take up thy couch, and go into your house and immediately he rose up do you notice that there's not much doctors can do for someone who's crippled have you noticed that I believe the Lord put this this example of this man The Bible says that he was crippled to the state where he couldn't even walk himself he couldn't even care for himself he used an impossible case and then put it in several gospels so that you could see that there's nothing that god can't do if we'll believe him for it if we believe you see god is the giver But he doesn't have anyone to give it to unless we become receivers. And we dare to believe the impossible. We dare to think outside of our senses. We dare to to believe outside of our experience. We dare to, to believe that which our mind is dictating to us that can't be done. That's when we tap into the miraculous when we start believing it is possible through him it is possible with his help it is possible with his faith it is possible with his power amen glory to god now we see these together in these these two gospels because he's trying to get over to us that both these conditions were resolved at the same time at the cross At the same time that Jesus carried away our sin nature, our sin condition, he bore away the fruit of that sin condition and brought not only salvation and forgiveness to our heart, but healing to our body. Let's close with 1 Peter 2.24. Let's go back to where we started. Now this is step number two. You've got to believe that the healing of your body has already been purchased and is part of God's redemptive plan through Jesus Christ. And you got to get to the place where you believe it to the degree that you know that you know. Right, and you get happy about it. First Peter two twenty four. Who his own self being Jesus he bare that word has a little bit more significance to me now as I know what it means from the Hebrew and now here we see it in the Greek through this English word bear that means that he removed it that means he took it away that means that that which he has bared you need not bear He bare our sins in his own body where on the tree on the cross that even though we were dead to sins, we can now live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Now I heard years ago, and I'm not sure that we have a smoking gun that this is exactly right, but it it just seems good in your heart when you consider this. We all know that Jesus was scourged, that he received from the Romans a scourging of 39 stripes. And their whips were nothing like the whips that we know of, you know, that that you see in the cowboy shows. You know, just a strap of leather. Historians will tell you that they would tie, you know, either rocks or I I don't know if they had glass in that time, but something sharp that they could put on the ends of the leather straps, and when you were whipped by them. It began to tear skin off of your back. And they would give a person 39 stripes because more times than not, 40 would kill somebody. So they tortured them to the, to, right up to the threshold of, of making them suffer just before death. And someone shared or preached years ago that doctors had determined scientifically that there was 39 categories of sickness and disease on the earth. And that each one of those stripes that Jesus received through his scourging, that each one of those stripes on him was one of those categories that he was now carrying away for us, removing for us. Now, I I can't prove that to you. But we do know that he carried away our sins. And we do know that he carried away our sicknesses. So that doesn't seem too far-fetched, does it? Because the Bible says that God laid that on him. And we see both in Isaiah 53 and then here in 1 Peter 2.24, the stripes and the healing in the same contents. Regardless of exactly how God did it, we know that he has done it. And Jesus was that goat. Jesus was that mediator that took away from us what we had so that we could receive what he was willing to give. So by whose stripes, notice the verbiage, you were healed. God's never going to heal you. I said God's never going to heal you. God's never going to heal me, he already has. Any more than he's going to save you, he's already saved you. Amen? We bring it into the now when we receive it by faith. Father, we thank you tonight. Your word is eternal. Your word is infallible. Your word is true. Your word is your will. We thank you tonight That we have biblical evidence that the healing of our body is part of your redemptive plan and because you've already executed it because you've already done it for us all we have to do is receive it Lord help us to be absolutely emphatically sure That we believe that we are as healed as we are saved help us to embrace that truth and help us to see sickness as an enemy as a thief as one that's trying to diminish our effectiveness here in the earth and Lord may we treat sickness may we treat symptoms just like we would treat sin we resist it And we drive it out by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for coming out, guys. Appreciate you.